Hi, and welcome to the Homeschool Snapshots podcast. I'm Pam Barnhill, your host, and this is the podcast that gives you a peek into the lives of the homeschoolers next door. Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode 63 of the Homeschool Snapshots podcast. I'm Pam Barnhill, your host, and I am so happy that you are joining me here today. And once again, I am here with my good buddy, Amy Milsick, who is guest hosting the podcast this season. Amy, how are you doing today? I am terrific, Pam. How are you doing? I'm actually doing really well. Thank you. You know, I'm so excited about this episode because I love to hear from veteran homeschool moms who have kind of done this homeschooling thing and who have lots of wisdom to share. You know, Carol Joy Side has been one of my favorite guests ever on the podcast, and she was that kind of mom. And I'm really excited today that Connie Albers is on. Tell us a little bit about what you and Connie talked about. Yes, I got to talk to the Connie Albers. It was amazing. And she shared some wonderful nuggets of truth and advice for homeschooling the teen years and beyond. So how to deal with tweens, teens, getting them ready for college. It was fabulous. Okay. So this is the kind of stuff that I like to hear because I'm just now entering that phase myself and you're there too, aren't you? Oh yeah. I have a tween and a teen. Mm. Okay, so yeah, good advice here that we can use as we go forward into those high school years and then taking them after. So, well, thanks so much, Amy. And we're going to get on with that interview right after this word from our sponsor. With the Nature Explorer Science Curriculum, nature study has never been easier. These open and go guides include educational nature walk ideas to keep your family engaged for weeks. Background information is provided so parents can feel confident answering questions in the field. Back at home, you can choose from many hands-on, research-based, and experimental activities to continue discovery-based learning. Or take the extensive book list to your library for some fun learning through living literature, both fiction and nonfiction selections. There are Nature Explorers curriculum guides available for nearly 20 science topics, which cover a wide range of biology and earth sciences that will work just about anywhere you are in the world. Visit ourjourneywestward.com forward slash Pam to download your free set of Nature Explorers notebooking pages, which turn nature walks into outdoor science labs. With your download, you'll receive a special coupon code to save 20% off your first Nature Explorers Science Curriculum order. That's ourjourneywestward.com forward slash Pam. And now, on with the podcast. Connie Albers has had many roles in her professional life, ranging from spokesperson in the business sector to strategist in the political arena to running one of the largest homeschool conferences in the country. But she describes her life's greatest work as raising and homeschooling her five children. With 21 years of homeschooling behind her, Connie knows firsthand about the ups and downs of homeschooling, from tots all the way to teens. And her goal is to help equip women to live out their calling, whatever their season of life. An author with a new book, with Nav Press coming out soon about parenting teenagers. She's also a global speaker who loves to pour into moms. A homeschooling veteran with wisdom and encouragement to share, Connie joins us on this episode to chat about the homeschooling teens and beyond. Welcome, Connie. 
Hey, thanks for having me. I'm glad to be here. Well, with five boys myself, with a tween and a teen in that mix, I am very excited to hear what you have to share with us today. Oh, I'm thrilled. Aren't aren't they awesome? I mean, I know they're a lot of work, but it's really a cool season of life. It really is. I had a lot of fears going into it, but I mean, it's inevitable. <laughs> so I am enjoying it a lot more than I thought I would. You know, honestly, I think that the society, uh, a lot of news outlets, you know, they they love to make people afraid and they love to generate more views and, and you know, fear at place, fear sells. But the reality is the teen years are really just a matter of growing from child to young adult. And in the mix of all of that, you know, they try to flex their independent muscle from time to time. And that can be frustrating, especially for a mom who's used to, you know, pretty much being in control. And all of a sudden, they're not really in control. The illusion was we were in control all along. Um, the reality is, it's just um, bears. It just you can tell in the teen years, we were deceived. <laughs> they have a mind of their own, as you well know. Oh, yes, very much so. So tell us a little bit about your family. Well, I am married to my sweet husband, Tom. We've been married for 33 years now. And we have five children just like you. We had five children in seven years. So it was quite busy uh, for many, many years, just being pregnant, nursing, and then every season of life hit with a fury. I have my oldest is 31. 30, 27, 25, and 24. So it's boy, girl, boy, girl, boy. I have two boys for the bookends. (laughs) So I love it. You know, three boys and two girls. And they are very different. We did homeschool for 21 years. I have been involved with the homeschooling movement for 27 of those years because when I began, it was the beginning of a movement. And I brought my professional business skills to a market that was merging the educational field. And I had the opportunity to run a lot of organizations, a lot of groups to help shape the movement that is now well over some say 2 million, some say 5 million. But we do know this fact that it is the fastest educational method or model out there. And it's growing by double digits for many reasons. And I know we don't have time to go into all of that. But that's a little bit about about me. And I certainly didn't feel like I was able. Every year, I doubted my ability to do that to teach my children. But all of them have since graduated and gone on to college from the university or at the University of Central Florida. Yay. <laughs> they just won that football championship. But they all went to the University of Central Florida. And that's another story that maybe we'll touch on throughout this podcast. But it was it's a really great story of God's provision in our family and being faithful, just showing up every day and doing the next thing. That's a fascinating story, and I can't wait for us to learn more. And you mentioned some fears that you had going into homeschooling. So what made you decide to homeschool in the first place? Well, basically, my husband hit me with the whole, honey, will you pray about, well, actually, he started off with, honey, will you consider homeschooling our kids? And I promptly said no. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I had no, you know, I was a trainer, and I worked in that field for a while at a very large company. But I didn't equate that to teaching my children. I was a public school student and, you know, spent a good deal of my time doing other things in the school setting. And I just didn't have the confidence. But he hit me with this after I said no. He goes, would you prayerfully consider homeschooling? 
well, what are you going to do with that? You can't say no, right? Right. (laughs) So I said, you know what? I will, because I certainly can't ask the Lord to do anything else or bless my family if I'm not willing to do one thing that he's asked me to do. And that is prayerfully consider it. That is how my journey began. And because I had the background in business and contracts and stuff, I kind of had this verbal, well, listen, I will do it, but there's got to be an out clause. If it doesn't work, I need out. (laughs) And whether the kids aren't loving it or I'm not doing well, I, I want out. Now, the story goes that I say every three months, I called the private school to see if there was like a three fourths three quarters reduction in tuition fees. He said it was every Friday. Um, <laughs> somewhere somewhere in between is probably the reality. But in all honesty, it did take me about five years, uh, maybe because I'm slow to acclimate, but it took me a while. And I finally took it before the Lord. And I said, okay, this is actually working, but I need you to change my heart. This wasn't the vision that I had for my life. And I need you to change my heart, make my heart in sync with your will. And then if it doesn't work, I'll be at peace with that. And that is how the story went. And every year just kind of continued on. And we prayed about it every year. The short part of that, that is, you know, I thought, okay, I'll homeschool elementary. That's relatively easy. But when it comes to middle school, boy, they're going in school. I mean, I just, they're just, they got to go to school. Then middle school came and I thought, ooh, that's when the hormones are really starting to rage. The bullying, cyber, you know, cyberbullying and bullying are, are starting to have a dramatic uptick. Self-awareness, their body image, and they're looking in the mirror every day and noticing what isn't or isn't, what is or isn't developing. And they become so self-aware. And I thought, you know what? I'll do middle school because I want their self-esteem. I want their confidence to be solidified. So they're able to step to the next season of life. Then high school came. I thought, oh, well, they're definitely going into high school because I want them to be involved in extracurricular activities. And certainly they can stand their ground in high school and all that. But what happened is that's when they became like normal. And I really started to think, this is a season of exploration and discovery. I don't want to miss that. I want to help lay each stone along their path so they can excel and they can understand who they are and how they're wired. And I get a front row seat to seeing how God leads them to the next season of life. That's a fascinating approach. And one that we, my husband and I are also using, just staying open and using our observational skills with our kids and just really connecting with them as our homeschool years progress. Cause we have ages three through 15 right now. So mm. we're still working on some of those levels and we're just finding, you know, establishing that foundation here at home has been so helpful in helping us to do that. So. I find your story very interesting and, and mirroring of our own. So cool. Oh, I'm, I'm glad. I think you'll love it. I do write about that in the book, I, you know, just how we have an opportunity to shape another human life in helping them understand their gifts, talents, and strengths, as well as their weaknesses without having them constantly focus on their weaknesses. So often, that's what we do. Well, you can do excellent, but then why wasn't this excellent? And I really try to address that. Um, We're never going to excel in our weakness. We will excel in our strength and we need to learn to manage our weakness. And we need to teach our kids to manage our weaknesses so they don't become a path that they choose 
that is constantly a struggle for them. Focus on the positive, but also having an awareness of the areas that they might lack in and that helping them build on what what they have within. So that's awesome. Yeah, you probably hear your kids tell you, oh, I can't do that. I'm not good at that. And how you respond is absolutely critical. If you affirm, yeah, you're not really good at that. Or, you know what, that is not your greatest area of strength, but you can find ways to manage that weakness while we focus on the areas that you will excel at. What a difference. Don't you find that that is just talking with your kids? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And my boys, two of my older boys play competitive sports. So not even just in our homeschool, but in extracurricular activities and church related events. So definitely that helps. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, even selecting a sport. I mean, you probably had to go through several till they found the one that they're passionate about and they're willing to give their all to and sacrifice the time that goes into, you know, competitive sports like that. Yeah, that's really cool. I'm glad you do that. It sounds like you've learned a lot over the years as a homeschool mom. Do you have a homeschool guru? And who would you invite over for dinner if you could? That's a homeschool guru. Me? No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> <let's see. laughs> I would probably want to sit and chat with either Cynthia Tobias or Kathy Duffy. I actually have spent some time with them because I like their approach to it. They had a mindset and uh, Sally Clarkson was another one. They had a mindset that it's academics are important. It's not all important. It's there's more to it. And that is pretty, pretty valuable that those were some of the people that when I first began homeschooling, it's kind of shaped my mindset, one to excel in academics, but to excel in character and integrity and soft skills versus just the academic skills, the how do you treat people, the how do you handle failure, those things that in a school environment, you know, teachers just don't have time to deal with and to shape and mold. And that's what that's what I love. Those are some women I really respect. Those are some great homeschool role models. And I love your focus on not only the academics, but also the relationship building that's vital in any family, really, not just homeschooling. Yeah. You know, if you ever, like if we talk, one of the things I constantly tell moms is you have a vision for where you want to go, which is obviously turning the tassel. I mean, let's be honest, we're homeschooling. We are responsible for the education of our child. That That's a given. And many times we feel ill-equipped. Even if you're a public school teacher or a former public school teacher, you're still going to feel those moments that I just not cut out for this or I'm not good enough. But what I love is the the mindset that I try to get moms to, to realize is, what do you want to see in your family in 10, in 15, and in 20 years? And invariably, I get the puzzled look on my face. Well, you know, I really, I was just thinking about <laughs> how was I going to get to to, you know, 12th grade to graduation. And I encourage moms, think about the beyond. What do you want those relationships to look like when you have 20 somethings? That's pretty powerful. It changes your perspective. It changes. It should change how you speak to them because life and death is in the tongue and, and there's life giving words. And we want them when they're 20. And this was my vision a long time ago. And my vision was when they were 20, they would want to come and hang out. 
They would want to go on to vacations with us. They would want to spend time with us. It wasn't 18 and you're out of here and I've had enough. I agree that big picture is so important. And, you know, being in the trenches myself right now, it can be hard to do that. What advice would you give for moms that are just finding themselves so having a narrow focus right now and having trouble getting that big picture? Well, that part of why you have trouble getting in the the big picture is because you're in the minutiae, you're in the weeds, you're in the trenches. And it's very hard to see the, the beauty of the forest when you're in the midst of standing amongst all the trees and all you can see are the obstacles. One thing that I practiced regularly was times of it. And and people think, Connie, how did you practice times of solitude and quiet? I knew that that was important. And that's one of the things I want to stress to moms. It doesn't have to be long. And what I do, and I've done this for years, is Jesus gets the last word at night. He gets the first word in the morning. Always. That does not take a lot of time. I will be honest with you. Sometimes that last word was laying in my bed crying out for all the woes that happened, all the words that I said that I shouldn't have said, or all the actions that I knew I should take serving my children that I didn't. And the fears, the 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 struggles that I would have a certain child. Sometimes it was just laying each child before the Lord and saying, God, I don't know how to do this. How am I ever going to get my engineering child into college so he can study engineering? I have no idea about calculus or physics. I don't know how to do this. I need you to provide a way. I need you to rest my mind that these are your kids, that you are the architect. You have the blueprint. All I'm supposed to do, Lord, is check the blueprint and then build one little piece at a time. And that is how I did. I had to take time to think and wrestle and lay it all at the feet so that the next morning I woke up and I'd say, okay, God, what are we going to tackle today? And and the really fun part is I'd wake up in the morning and some of the issues that I was, you know, really concerned about, I would actually have solutions for them. I would wake up thinking, oh yeah, I need to do this today. I need to talk to this child a little bit differently. I need to think about how they filter what I say. Is it always nagging at them? Am I always lecturing? I was like a world-class lecturer. <laughs> I wanted to make sure they understood it. So I would explain it 20 different ways. In the teen years, they really get tired of that. <laughs> yes, they do. So I'll just tell all you moms that if, if that's the pattern you're in, give them a little credit. They're smarter than you think. They know you very, very well. By the time they hit the teen years, they know what your beliefs are, what your values are, what your rules are, what your hot buttons are. They get that. And you know what else they know? The answer to every question. When they ask you a question, the answer to every question they're going to ask you. They know what you're going to say. For that, to that, I would have to say, be careful. You know, hear them out and listen to what they have to say before you go into your long, this is why we do this. This is why we don't do that. Because sometimes they won't come to you because they already know what your answer is going to be and they're not, they know you're not even going to consider it. So circling back to your first comment, Jesus gets the first word every morning, not my cell phone, not my Facebook friends, nobody. And he gets the last word at night and it doesn't have to be long. I do encourage you to get into the word. I do encourage you to read good books that are going to encourage the value and the mindset that you're trying to instill in your family. But it doesn't have to be long because to be honest with you, you don't have a lot of time. 
Yes, because the time goes so quickly. So <laughs> turning to God, getting some rest, and using some really good resources sounds like some fabulous tips on how homeschool moms can just slow down and get that big picture. So thank you for that. Really appreciate it. Absolutely. So you had mentioned that there were a couple subjects in there that you weren't quite comfortable <laughs> teaching. And, and I think that's very understandable for all homeschool moms. What did you do to handle that? How did you um, make sure that your children learn those subjects? Great question. Well, I looked around and I would just kind of see what was available in my area and online. I knew I couldn't do calculus. I knew physics was going to be a, a problem. And to be honest with you, you know, science, I love science, but it wasn't my forte. Fun. I have to tell you this fun story. With my first child, who is the engineer, we needed to do physics and I didn't know what I was doing. So I grabbed, I got a really good curriculum and I invited four other very smart science and, and math oriented students. And I just said, hey, every other week, come to my house and we're going to do this together. Now, mind you, and your listeners will get a giggle out of this. <laughs> I had no idea about physics. I just, it, I had no idea, but I had this great resource and I had four, uh, four or five really smart science and math people. And every week they would read what they were supposed to read and I would read it too, but I had a teacher's guide. <laughs> and what I would do is I would say, okay, let's talk about this problem you had to solve. Now my, you know, just remember that the problems took like two or three pages to work out. So I said, what is your answer? And if anybody's answer varied, I made them work backward. And I'm looking at the teacher's guide, absolutely having no idea what I was talking about. But they didn't know that. I mean, I didn't sit there and say, well, I don't know. I, I acted like I knew what I was talking about. But because they got it, they would work backwards and they would find their error. And they worked as a team and they would they would come up with the answer. And we did that the entire year. And they all did fabulous. At the end of the year, I told them I had no clue what we were doing. And they let me know, kiddingly, well, they didn't, you know, I... I fooled them. They had no idea. Do I recommend that? No, I wouldn't have done that with my others who weren't as science and math oriented, but it worked for him. The areas that I didn't know, um, you know, because when you have a lot of children and you're teaching multiple grades, multiple ages, your, your time gets diced very, very thin, as you know, right? Oh, yes. You're hopping from phonics to ratios to algebra problems and everything in between. So I looked, I found some online resources for certain children and I found some co-op classes for other children. What we did is it tailor, I tailored it and that's the beauty of homeschooling, tailor it to their needs, to their strengths and to their potential career path. And a lot of how I gained that information was through strength finders. I understood strength finders and I would just study my children and know, oh, I can see this in you. And I would pay attention to what school subjects they thoroughly enjoyed and I would set them up for success. Um, so finding the classes that could help you in the areas that you're weak, whether it's online or in person. And and don't be afraid to tackle the hard one. There's the curriculum itself and the, and the classes that are available. You are truly able to help them understand this stuff if you're willing to put in the time and the work. And if you don't have the time and you really don't understand, outsource that. Uh, there's nothing wrong with that. Just keep on top of what they're doing and make sure you know they're not fudging on assignments and stuff like that. Because, you know, teenagers are known 
um, I will have to tell you, my teens have told me all, all of them in the twenties have told me different things that I had no idea, you know, they were skipping and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But God's grace is sufficient. The things that they needed to learn, they learned. And the things that they skipped, well, they're either learning them now or they weren't really that important. Um, They can Google it now. And I think that's my biggest sage advice to moms is nowadays, these kids can Google and YouTube everything, everything. So it's not the academics necessarily that they need you to teach them. It's research. It's thinking skills. It's relational, what I call soft skills, interpersonal skills. Those are the things they can't get from looking online. Those are the things they get between interpersonal relationships and communication with you and their siblings. That's some good nuggets of truth right there. <laughs> I have to agree completely. Sorry, that was long-winded, wasn't it? <laughs> no, but you the, you made some excellent points. And I think that there's a lot of truth spoken. So a common fear, as I'm sure you've heard a lot, is as a parent, a homeschool parent, I am so afraid that I cannot homeschool high school because I can't teach my child. How am I going to help them get into college? And so what would you say to a parent who's feeling uncertain about that? That's where your quiet time comes in. And that's where faith that if you have been called to this, God will equip you for it. And I think I'm the poster child for being ill-equipped. And I don't mean that in a, I mean that literally, I I felt like there was nothing that I was able to really teach them besides my area of expertise, you know, so what would I, what would you say to the parent who's feeling uncertain about homeschooling high school and preparing their kids for college? Okay, remember the long goal, you know, the goal is to equip them for taking their place in society and their goal and and my family's goal was that they would love the Lord. So knowing why you're doing this, what your family's goals really helps you gain the confidence to tackle the high school years, whether it's algebra or it's literature or American government, getting into college, any of those. So what I tell parents is I, our family had three goals. One that our, our children would love the Lord. I mean, that was important to us that it was that they loved him, that they relied on him, that they knew he was the source of their strength. Two, that they loved doing life with their family. Again, this is the beyond the school age. You know, we 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 didn't want to just push through high school. We wanted to develop relationships and cultivate lifelong learning. And then the third was have a heart for your community. So when you're in high school, you're able to tackle all of those. You're able to find community service that they can be involved with, volunteer opportunities. You're able to help them tutor, which is a great thing that we did. It it solidifies what they're learning when they have to teach someone else. So maybe an older student. um, I, I know one of my daughters made a comment when she was at UCF. We were interviewed by the University of Central Florida as having five UCF nights. They had never had that before. And I loved what she said. She said, the older students, older kids help the younger kids. And that was a beautiful picture. So moms, if you don't feel like you're capable of to teach your kids all the subjects, there's resources available for you to be able to continue to homeschool your children, have the primary influence on your child's childhood memories, and get them the proper education that will help them excel in their career calling or their vocation. Don't fear. I would say starve the fear and eliminate the doubt. Pick up courage and confidence and strength. Use your own smarts to research where you are deficient 
and find a way to, to fill those gaps. And listeners, that's advice from a homeschool mom who has graduated five children from high school and college. So there you go. <laughs> oh, it's great. It's It's been great. I love telling that story. It's, it's It really does infuse hope. It does. When I read that on your site, I had tears in my eyes because I thought, oh, I just want to be there someday. So yes. <laughs> great hope. Yeah. Great hope. Okay, there. good. What are some of your best tips for nurturing good parent-child and, and sibling relationships during the teen years? For parent-child, monitor your mouth. That's critical. What you speak can crush a child's spirit or breathe life into them. So watch what you say and how you say it. Slowly think about, would you say that to a friend? Would you say that to you know, a coworker, if you work out, if you work, you know, you know, in some work environment, would you say that, you know, to anybody else? If you wouldn't, then don't say it to your child. Monitor your mouth. Think before you speak. Listen. One of the number one things that you can do during the teen years is listen to where they are struggling, whether it's shame they feel, whether it's bullying their experience, whether it's not feeling competent. You know, we think as moms, we don't, we're not doing enough. You know, we lay our head on the pillow at night crying. And I'm speaking, you know, from all the moms that I've talked to, because I've saturated many, many a pillowcase. We think we're not enough. Well, our kids also think they're not enough. There's a new study out basically since 2011, 2012 in the increase of devices that more and more students and kids are feeling and experience. I think it's one out of five now are truly dealing with clinical depression. We've got such a fear of FOMO. Our kids have such a fear of FOMO. They are highly susceptible to what their peers are doing. So they are constantly comparing their imperfect family and their imperfect day and their lack of ability to other people's awards and picture-perfect moments, and it is psychologically impacting them. Parent-child relationship, monitor your mouth and listen carefully. Ask the right question. Sibling-wise, encourage conversation. If there is a conflict, move quickly to resolving it and restoring the relationship. Don't hope your immature teenager has the skill set to know how to get how to restore a relationship if they've been hurt, if they're feeling, if they've been offended. And I don't mean overly offended because you looked at me the wrong way, although that happens all the time. I mean, true hurt. You know, they've been shunned. Maybe they've been shunned with, you know, you have some kids in sports. Maybe they were shunned at a game in front of, you know, their friends because they were trying to fit in or be cool. And it really wounded the spirit of one of your siblings. Maybe it was a younger sibling who's cheering for that child and they can't wait to run up and give them a hug and, and they get that rejected go away. That happens. Quickly move to restoration. Quickly move to restore the uh, restore and deal with the conflict and talk them through that because this, the soft skills that you're teaching them will stay with them for life. I have had all of my children talk about why they are a close-knit family. They go to lunch together. They hang out together. They want weekly meetups with each other. And that is a direct result, I believe, from not allowing ill-harbored resentment to stir and fester during the teen years. That's great advice. Yeah. So one, for parents to monitor your mouth and two, to act like a mediator with your children and step in when you see that it's necessary to help because you're equipping them with the skills that they need long term. So 
I think that's fabulous advice. Yeah, it really is important. And I'm sure you practice that with your kids. I think the big thing is for parents to realize there is a goal to this. It's not just at the moment. It's that vision of we want to do life together. You you want your kids when they're 20, 30, you want them to call and say, what are we doing for Christmas? What are we going to do for Thanksgiving? What can I bring for such and such? When are we celebrating somebody's birthday? Not if we don't go to mom and dad's, mom's feelings are going to be hurt or, you know, the mom guilt. Well, are you not coming to, you know, we, we don't want that with our kids. We want them to not want to miss out on the fun activities that we have after they're you know, after they're not forced to be there any longer. Does that make sense? Oh, definitely. And laying that foundation now while you can in the early years so that in the long term, you can enjoy a happy family life. Definitely. Yeah. And as I relate that to homeschooling, and then I talked about strength finders, if you know your child's strengths and weaknesses, and I'll give you this example, my oldest child, I could see math and science technique. He was just tech, you know, tech, techie. He got it. Everything just came to him. He was like the perfect child who made me look like the perfect mother until 15 when he started to say, I'm my own person and I'm not always going to do what you tell me to do. Uh, But I still, you got to separate the who from the who they are from what they do. But in this case, I knew all he needed was his assignment and then leave him alone. He was going to go do it. His sibling, his sister was artsy. She loved to feel it, experience it, taste it, see it, chew on it. And what I learned during the teen years that it's real important for moms to know is be careful how you place your kids in settings. Those two needed to develop a relationship, but they were not going to do it if I was putting them in the same science class or we were trying to do the same subject at the same time together. It frustrated my older son because he just wanted to be done so he could go play. It really hurt my daughter when I first started doing this thinking, hey, I love unit studies. When I first started doing this because she felt she was not as smart, not as quick, that something was wrong with her. And I thought that's total opposite. Isn't that the total opposite of what we want in our kids? So separate them if need be. Let them thrive and bloom and blossom in their areas and with their way of learning. And you will find their relationships become stronger. They respect each other in the way that they are they learn different. It's a beautiful, beautiful picture, but you have to pick up on that. Otherwise, you can try to force it and you end up with a lot of resentment. And even that will carry over into their entire adult life where they believe I'm just not as smart as so-and-so. And that's not the truth. Right. So dial up the awareness and the attention that you're paying to what's actually going on and yeah. and, and checking in with your kids too is helpful. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you've got the, the teens. So I imagine, as you know, teens become nocturnal creatures. <laughs> yes, they do. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we're ready to collapse. You know, we've had a long day. And all of a sudden, we hear this whisper in, you know, late night hours. Mom, can we talk? And you're thinking, well, I'll just lay on the foot of your bed. You talk away and we're drifting in and out of sleep. <laughs> Oh, yes. Um, But that's kind of alluding to your comment about we have to be aware of what their needs are so that they feel the freedom to talk to us. 
and voice those inner fears and concerns that they have. Definitely. Teens are often faced with many decisions like career, extracurricular activities, classes to take. How did you equip your kids with good good decision-making skills? All goes back to critical thinking. They need to know themselves. They need to know what they're good at, what they're not good at. They need to understand that and learn to be okay with that. And I'm sorry, your listeners can probably hear my dog. Uh, my guess is Amazon's delivering something at the door. <laughs> I understand. Uh, anyway, I, I think it's really important that in the process of helping them learn what job they're going to be seeking, they, they start to see where their strengths lie. And part of that is I would do strength finders. I would do the Myers-Briggs. I would do all sorts of assessments. I created a notebook for each child and I would write down where do they lose themselves every day? Where, where could they just spend hours and hours and hours not being forced to do something? I basically have to pull them away. Lego making, you know, even if it's conversing, you know, they're chatting with everybody. And then I started to, to map out these are areas that you could excel at. And and I view what we do as planting seeds. Let's just plant an idea. Just suggest it. You know, I see that you're able to do this really well. You know, that could possibly be a future vocation for you. That could be something you could use in your in your future. Let's research that a little bit more. Uh, extracurricular, I think that that's really important as well because they learn how to work with others. They learn how to manage their time very effectively because they have to. They have to get work done. Like you have yours in sports. All of mine played either competitive soccer or basketball. They had to learn. We get up. We have to get this amount of work done so that we can show up for you know, practice at X time. And otherwise, you're going to get behind. And then guess what? You get work on Saturday. And nobody wants to do school on Saturday. So extracurricular activities help them find some areas of passion, whether it's individual sports or team sports. Don't force them into one or the other. Help them discover it for themselves. So truly be on, be exploring, be ex- discovering, and be observing. And then plant seeds within them that they can they can chew on. And it's a process. It'll take time for all of that to happen. Um, again, I noticed my son was going to be an engineer. I could just see that that wasn't his first choice. He wanted to be an NBA basketball player. And he was a great basketball player. However, I didn't think he'd be an NBA player, but I didn't dare tell him. I didn't want to burst his bubble because truthfully, you never know these days, all kinds of things could happen. You meet somebody or maybe you have a growth spurt or you know something like that. But here's what I did. Practically, I would say to him, that is a great dream. That's a great, you're good at that. But if you were to get hurt, you know, maybe you tore your ACL or you know, maybe you didn't have that growth spurt or something. If that didn't happen, what could be plan B? So for them, they're working on plan A. For me, I'm working on plan B. Let me get you the right science classes. Let me get you the right math classes. Let us slowly build this second part, the plan B. And then when you hit that senior year, they start to realize, and in the case of my son, he had the opportunity to go to college and play college ball. We laid it all out for him. We said, okay, this is this is what the cost will be. And, you know, opportunity cost is what I call it. This is the cost. If you go to do sports, you're going to spend a lot of time and they base the school owns you. What will you get out of it? What's your, you know, what's your goal? And he decided, not us telling him you can't do it. He decided, hmm, I could probably only go here. 
I doubt that I would make it here. Not like, oh, poor me, but you know, the writing's on the wall. I probably won't be at this level. So it was a great run. I choose to lay this down and I'm going to pick up plan B. Mom, I never said a word. I never told him he couldn't. I never told him he had to go in this other field. I just planted seeds and prepared quietly for him to make that decision. And I did the same thing with my daughter. I did the same thing with my son, who's a videographer, entrepreneur. My other daughter, who is in hospitality, she double majored. She wanted to run a restaurant. So at and when she was in 11th grade, I turned over the grocery budget. Literally, this is scary. Imagine you right now, you have five kids, you know how expensive an apple is. Imagine giving your child who is really interested about you know, cooking your entire grocery budget and saying, okay, have had it. Here was this, I did that in her 11th grade year. And I said, here's the criteria. You can go grocery shopping because she had her driver's license. Pick whatever you want to pick, but you have to prepare food for all seven of us. And it has to last for the entire week. And we don't want PBJs every day. It, she thrived with that. As a matter of fact, that's what led to her going on to college and double majoring in hospitality. It it uh, was that flame, the fire. It, it, it was like fuel on, on you know, a fire. It, it excited her and it empowered her. And I kept saying, hey, you know, it's easier if you burn a dish on my money than when you're in college and you're broke. And she loved it. <laughs> she has gone on to work and, and she works. A, she was a general manager for a cafe right out of college. That was the result of me being intuitive enough to see you love this. I can see it. Here, I'll help you where you need help, but I trust you. Teens need to know you trust them and that you're there. You're not there to control them and fix them. You're there to help guide them and shape them. What a different paradigm that is. So you provided realistic help for them to explore their options as they got older. Yeah, Yeah. really. Same with videography. My son uh, wanted to make movies. He really wanted to be a director. I gave him a video camera. He did all these. And, and I tell this story because sometimes we get so afraid that our children are going to do something, you know, turn into monsters. If we let them, you know, video a uh, damsel in distress where somebody gets shot, you use the catch up and, you know, all that, you know, the sword fights. And I let him make those movies and create them. When it t- came time to go into college, he get ready to apply for film school again. All of that was during their teen years. And that's why remaining steadfast in these years is so critical. They're all over the place. They're flipping and flopping from day to day. They go to bed one night happy and they wake up grumpy and they slam the door. And you're like, what happened to you? It's like, well, welcome to that season of life. They don't know what's going on. But when you're intuitive and you pick up on the subtle clues that they're giving you and you're aware of their strengths and talents, you're able to just oh so lovingly and tenderly guide and shape them without pushing and shoving and nagging and yelling and they follow. That's beautiful. Yeah. And look where your kids are now. So you give us all a ray of hope. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope. well, it's time in our podcast for the fast five. This is when okay. I ask you five things and you say the first thing that comes to your mind. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. You just received an Amazon gift card. What are you spending it on? Books. 
<laughs> number one answer. Okay. Uh, what's your favorite game for family night? Those online like Fibbage and, and Squibbage or something like that. Those are just so fun. We have a great time playing that as a family because they're all, they all have devices. Oh, neat. Yeah. We'll have to provide a link for that in the show notes. Cool. Yeah. Make sure that I think that's on Apple TV or something like that, but yeah, it's great and they love it. What's the best way to spend the day with your kids? Away on an outdoor activity, whether it's hiking or on the boat or at the beach. That's how we connect the, the most with our kids. That's when we hear their heart. What are you reading right now? I am currently reading two. I'm a homeschool, a former homeschool mom. So therefore, whoever reads just one, <laughs> I am reading present over perfect. And I'm reading It's Not Too Late, The Essential Part You Play in Shaping Your Teen's Faith by Dan Dupee. Love it. I love it. Okay, we will link to those in the show notes for sure. Please do. And I've got to have blank to get me through the day. I have to have the Lord. Great answer. I have to have the Lord. Otherwise, I can't do it. I hear you. <laughs> well, it was lovely getting to chat with you and soak up your wisdom. Tell us where we can find you, Connie. Well, you can find me at ConnieAlbers.com. I'm currently speaking at multiple conferences across the country starting uh, in March. I, I will, my season will be kicking off, but you can find me there. You can find me on Facebook at Connie Albers. For those of you that might be on Twitter, it's Connie L. Albers or on Instagram at Connie Albers. So I love to connect. I absolutely love and to pour into you because so often I am just using the story that God gave us of an ill-equipped, imperfect mom who lacked the confidence to do what she's doing. And he wrote an amazing story. How my children all graduated from college is a testimony to him, not a testimony to me. And I want other moms to see that showing up every morning, just get up, do the next thing. You didn't get math done today, do it tomorrow. Keep the long range vision in mind and, and you will get there. And the story that you're writing and the legacy that you will create is a beautiful, beautiful uh, vision of your family running your race and staying in your lane. Well, thank you so much for your positive encouragement. And we'll be looking for your new book to be released here very soon. Oh, thanks. I appreciate it. And thanks for having me on the show. I love what you're doing. And if I can do anything to support you guys, uh, you just let me know. Oh, well, thanks so much, Connie. Have a great day. Right. You too. Bye. Bye. And there you have it. Now, if you'd like links to any of the books and resources that Connie and I chatted about today, you can find them in the show notes for this episode of the podcast. Those are at pambarnhill.com backslash HSP63. Looking forward to some more great homeschool chats to encourage, inspire, and motivate. Until then, rock your homeschool!